0: hello and welcome to the fire podcast i'm your host ryan rhodes and on today's episode eight questions that every human being wants to know the answers to the heart of the new wineskin for the church in the coming years and what does it look like to lead a church without control or fear gerald murphy is a loving husband to his wife lauren and father to their four children They are currently planting a church in Columbus, Ohio, Garden City Church. With a heart and passion for the gospel of the kingdom to transform cities and nations, Gerald and his family live to see God glorified and his people equipped. This is part two of my conversation with Gerald, so if you missed part one, you'll want to go to the episode right before this, episode 43, to hear the beginning of our conversation. Gerald is a, a great friend of mine. He is an apostle. Uh, he is doing something different than almost any other church leader at this point in America, uh, and and the way he's thinking and the way he's going about church, and he's He's got the courage to try something different. So I'm excited for you guys to hear from him and uh, and, and to be stirred by him. You don't necessarily have to agree or, or mimic his methods to be doing the right thing, but allow uh, as you listen to this, allow this to open your, your concept up of what the church can be. I think there's a lot of opportunity. To get back both back scripturally to what made the church powerful, but also to uh, to dream with God about the coming wineskin, while obviously still honoring where the church is at today. We can love the bride, but we can also recognize there's some things shifting. There's a way, there's a better way to do things. So I think you guys will enjoy this episode. Uh, also, please share this with your friends. Share it on social media. Help us continue to grow this podcast, to grow its reach. Uh, it's been great so far, and it's grown beyond what I even dreamt up starting this thing uh, a little less than a year ago now, and um, we're relaunching it a little less than a year ago, and uh, and I think God has some big things for it, so help us continue it to, to share it, follow, and uh, actually Spotify just released a uh, the ability to leave a rating for the podcast, so both on on Spotify and Apple specifically, uh, please go leave a rating. Make sure you follow our podcast, and uh, and listen to the podcast the podcast on those two platforms. Especially, they will really help us. And what that'll do is that'll uh, when people search for the Fire Podcast, there's other Fire Podcasts out there. This is the Fire Podcast with Ryan Rhodes because there's others, but that'll help us come up higher in the search. Uh, in the search bar when people are looking for us and or even if they're not looking for us it'll help them stumble upon what we're doing here so uh, please go and do that also if this podcast has impacted you would you just would you consider partnering with us we are growing we have great things ahead god is doing some amazing things I'm, i'm having some opportunities behind the scenes right now that are uh exciting me and i'm excited to share them with you in due time um but uh, you guys are making that possible. So if this has impacted you and you want to partner with what's happening, you can go to firemovement.com slash support. And there you can give a one time or monthly gift. Once again, that's fire com slash support. Thank you guys so much. Well, let's jump into part two of this conversation with Gerald Murphy after a quick sponsor segment.
1: Religion loves Jesus, the teacher, is even okay with Jesus, the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus, the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you got to go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's there's nothing this this city, this nation, the nations of the world are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly, and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll if you align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This
0: is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm back here with Vince Garage and our, our guest, Gerald Murphy. Uh, and so, in the, the end of the first half of this conversation, um, I, I asked the question uh, just what are you practically doing? Tell us about Garden City Church. We'll start there. And then, I would like to, afterwards, we can kind of get into um, because you're experimenting a little bit and you're trying something that's different than what tr- churches, at least in, in modern history, look like in the United States. Um, uh, I'd like to hear how you arrived at the things you're doing, but let's, let's start with the practically, what is, what is Garden City and what does it look like?
2: Yeah. So early on, we really felt that we were to carry on the the mission mandate of the, the ministry that was formerly called Garden Project, which, really was based around creating spaces for the body of Christ in our city to come together irrespective of wherever they may have called you know um, themselves members of, of, of a home church or a local a local church and to specifically do that in public neutral spaces coffee shops living rooms and um, with that we truly believed that if we could just get the body of Christ to come together to host the presence of the Lord, and experience communion with Him, and then from communion with Jesus, experience community with each other. That those two things would lead to the cultivation of our city for the kingdom, and ultimately the return of the Lord. And we we felt that that would look like something tangibly. It would look like churches being birthed. It would look like businesses being started. It would look like nonprofits uh, being started. Um, it would look like individuals in their schools, at their jobs, taking responsibility for the sphere of influence that they have, hosting the presence of God as a lifestyle, wherever God has called them, in whatever field they may be engaged in, seeing the gospel preached, seeing people encounter the power of the kingdom and, and, and seeing you know true uh, impact, uh, whether that be salvation, healing and deliverance, or whether that be just a shift in in culture and the atmosphere and you know just the overall uh just trajectory of of yeah the the <clears throat> that particular area or the the people that they were around and so garden city is really just a continuation of that we we just now have a consistent place that people can say yes to that vision and actually, be you know just rooted, and um, that to me is the only difference. And so, I want to make it very clear that starting a church was the last thing I thought I would ever do. You know, once I wrap my mind around being in ministry and no longer you know working in the corporate space, no longer being directly involved in entrepreneurship personally which took about six years for the Lord to uh, truly convince me that, that he didn't want me, me doing directly uh, versus helping others in that space, I still thought that, that starting the church would never be something he'd ask of me. Prior to the garden project, uh, my, my wife and I were leading a nonprofit. Uh, we were running the school of ministry and then we were really just committed to building relationship with the church of our city. Um, and that's what I've always found most fulfilling is is being able to have my hands in multiple spaces and know that, that the only, you know, true desire is to see that impact, you know, the collective uh, city that, that, that I'm in, uh, taking serious what we see in the New Testament, that it was uh, the Church of Philippi, the Church of Ephesus, and, and so the Church of Columbus has always been what I felt um, most uh, called to, and what I still to this day feel the most a part of, I just happen uh, to have a vehicle that is a local church to serve uh, that larger that larger um, context. So that's really the the heart and 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 the why behind Garden City fleshed out a little bit more. What that's looked like for us as we've continued the the, the mission of mandate that we received um, when it uh, was just a garden project has has been maintaining a, a hybrid model that you and I actually talked about for the first time. Like the first time I ever was even in a conversation where I was given language for what we're doing now was in a conversation you and I were having. And I remember I was driving on the highway. I'm not sure where you were, but I think you asked the question like, you know, what would it look like if, we gathered corporately twice a month and then you know people were able to gather in homes or gather in coffee shops the other two weeks out of the month and then you actually did it and you you shifted the way that the uh, fire uh, young adult ministry ran and and I remember thinking like wow it's possible and I never really had a a you know a ministry that it would have made sense to implement that that model until we started the church. And I just remember as we prayed, I was so afraid of just what would happen if we truly identified um, what we were doing as church. Because so much of what I thought the 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 true essence of what we were doing was connected to was the fact that we made it very clear it wasn't a church. And so when it came time to actually walk walk in that, the the one thing that gave me peace was knowing that, that that hybrid model was going to be implemented. And so the second and fourth Sunday of the month, we have a worship service, the first and third Sunday of the month. Uh, we have uh, about 10 home churches across the city uh, that have anywhere from 10 to 20 people in them. And it's been amazing to see uh, just the, the, the heart that people have for that that particular rhythm and and that particular model many went kicking and screaming many thought they would not be able to adjust but we're about a year in we officially launched the, the home churches in March we did about 6 months of training and and teaching and i went from the old testament all the way through the new about every you know example i could find every verse that i felt connected to god's heart to encounter us in this particular Uh, context of our homes. And then, yeah, we just went after it. And I I have to say this very clearly, the team that the Lord has brought around us, my wife and I, I, I just cannot over communicate how grateful and how privileged we are to run with them because they, they said yes to doing things so untraditionally with really nothing to, to look at as, as, you know, just a, a, a sense of, you know, okay, well, we can we can follow this example. And what was interesting is after we decided to go down this road, uh, we did find out that uh, just a couple of churches in, in the Columbus area were actually, you know, looking to do something similar, but we had not talked to each other at all. And so that was definitely confirmation. And even to the the, the word that you referred to from um, Robert Leerdon, it just... Felt so right as far as what God was looking to do now, so that's that's really the the rhythm that we're in as far as you know our gatherings, but that's that's just, truly just a piece of what what we're doing. We, in addition to that, have a house of prayer and worship that gathers uh, three days um, a week, uh, six a.m. to eight a.m. Now we just adjusted our hours, um, and then we're starting our our first school of prayer and worship on Wednesday nights really wanting to see the entire congregation come into their identity as kings and priests. And as everything in the kingdom, it starts with that that understanding of who we are. And then from that, we are able to actually walk in, in what we're called to do, which we've you know gotten that backwards um, in the church for a long time. And there's nothing like the house of prayer, in my opinion, that helps solidify people's identity as, as kings and priests unto the Lord. Um, and, and allowing that to be the framework uh, from which everything else they do as it relates to ministry and serving and calling, uh, yeah, just just be the overflow. Uh, we have taken on a, a posture to see just the practical needs and the injustices of our community met. And so we have a food pantry. Uh, we are starting a uh, wholeness center that we're calling the Eden Center. And so you have Garden City Church and the Eden Center. And in the Eden Center, we're going to house existing nonprofits and social enterprises, giving them office space at either no or little cost to truly champion uh, the, the the cause and the mission that that they are stewarding. What we felt like the Lord said was just to make space and to support um, existing nonprofits and and uh, ministries and social enterprises in a way that's going to force them to come together to collaborate. And, and be able to leverage, you know, just the whatever particular um, solution that they are bringing to the community. Uh, because everything that, that we see in the kingdom is, is, I believe, built upon family. And there's so many incredible um, ministries, organizations, social enterprises that are siloed and isolated. And so we, we didn't feel like we were supposed to really start anything. We just felt like we were supposed to make space to come alongside those who are already doing it, but they're doing it alone. They're doing it disconnected from family. And the West Side of Columbus is top five in in the nation in, in many categories, if not uh, top five um, just in our state when it comes to drug addiction, when it comes to uh, sex trafficking, when it comes to illiteracy rates, when it comes to poverty, when it comes to the infant mor- mortality rates. And so my wife and I felt very strongly that that we wanted to be in the area of our city that we just honestly have felt like has been most neglected. Uh, Ryan, you're from Columbus, so you'll know some about these areas that I'm referring to, but there's other you know, really, really difficult areas in our city such as Linden, but there seems to almost be this hope or this expectation that things can change even in the Linden area. But when people think about the west side of Columbus, there's just kind of this posture of like, it's always been this way, it's always gonna be this way, and there's really no, no hope for it changing. And so when we finally said yes to starting the church, we knew that's where we wanted to be. And so the other things that I would acknowledge um, about you know, Garden City and its, and its mandate is, is that we're committed to being more, more, more um, focused on sending than gathering. And, and so the language we use is, is truly being an apostolic hub uh, looking at the acts 13 antioch model where what you really see in those first few verses is the Holy spirit leading and the people being able to identify okay who who is the Holy spirit setting aside for the work of the ministry and how do we how do we come into agreement with that bless them and send them and so that's probably one of the the unique aspects of of what we're doing and so those are the things that i feel led to kind of just emphasize uh, right now, but uh, man, it's been, it's been a wild, you know, 15 months. I'll say this um, and just let you ask questions or, or lead the conversation from here, but it really hasn't been but the last, man, four months that I've really felt settled, you know, up until October of 2021, every single day, it was just like, God, are we really doing this? Like, is this, <laughs> is this happening? Are you sure? for fifteen months and I've never had to depend on the Lord as much as I, I have in, you know, this process of planning this church for so many reasons. Insecurities, fears, just feeling, you know, am I being prideful to think that this can actually work? You know, is there a reason that, that so many other churches and so many other ministries don't take this approach? You know, don't really put structures in place that even Attempt to try to bring you know maybe a more holistic approach to community transformation or uh, discipleship or whatever it may be, and man, I don't I don't want to find myself in a place where you know I had these just visions of grandeur these fantasies that that weren't really God, because it's one thing as a staff member of another church or you know as as just someone that's making critique about the church to say what you believe. Is biblical or what you believe would work. It's another thing to actually have to put that to practice. Mm-hmm. And so there's been a lot of humbling, a lot of repenting of, you know, of, of previous seasons where I can observe now that that I was I was judgmental, I was I was cynical, I was prideful, and didn't really have a true appreciation for what uh, pastors go through, no matter what their model is. And by the grace and mercy of God. You know he's been able to address a lot of that, and um, it took actually having to to walk this thing out to to even expose a lot of that.
0: Wow, that's so good. I wanna I wanna double down on a couple practical things and let um, then let Vince draw out some stuff. Um, what is a worship service? What does that mean for you guys?
2: Yeah, for for us, we actually call them worship celebrations. And the way that we've talked about it from the beginning is this is where we get to come together and truly, truly exalt Jesus, boast in him, celebrate him, celebrate life in him, encounter him, and and have absolute just focus on Jesus as the Holy Spirit actively reveals him, as, as you know, we corporately... Lift up thanksgiving and lift up praise out of out of experiencing His goodness and His faithfulness and His His leadership in our lives all week. We get to come together um, on a Sunday worship celebration and just lift this collective offering of adoration and praise and 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 worship to Him, and and then learn from the Word that that will ultimately inform. A desire to give him even more of our lives. You know, for us, we we made a very intentional decision from a philosophical perspective to say that our worship celebrations are for the believer. Uh, We don't take a a primarily evangelistic approach to our Sunday worship celebrations. We absolutely want seekers or want you know non-believers even to come to our worship celebrations, but when they come, they're going to watch the bride literally lavish love on the bridegroom so much that they're either going to have to 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 engage in in expressing love to him as well or figuring out why we love him so much or they're going to leave there's going to be no way to stay in that atmosphere and and be indifferent you're just going to feel awkward and feel completely disconnected
0: and that that's going back to you said this whole thing was birthed out of being on sheldon's couch and like some of the early things and like that's what was happening with you is you were you were getting to witness him loving jesus and that caused you to come to a place of decision and it's just amazing to see that like that is a part of what you're doing um so give me more more practicality so what is what is a worship service what do you guys actually do and and then when uh how do you
3: navigate it yeah
0: how you navigate it what what is the setup Mm. The order of sure. operations, all that kind of stuff.
2: Sure. So for us, we um, yeah start right off with worship. There's no really just anything that precedes that, and you know we have a worship team. They are made up of of singers and musicians, and they're really given permission to kind of come into uh, the Sunday worship uh, celebration with really no more than two songs that they've prepared. But then from those two corporate songs that they've prepared, there is an undeniable expectation that we're going to end up singing the song of the Lord, the song of the Spirit, uh, spontaneously in that moment. Uh, and, and the other thing that we've maintained, and I would say is probably the thing that was the most rich about our Garden Project um, house gatherings, was just the plurality of expression, specifically having multiple people speaking praying sharing reading scripture and we brought that into our our worship celebrations i would say on average there's no no less than three people in addition to our worship team that end up on the mic uh, reading scripture out loud and then praying scripture sharing a testimony sharing an exhortation and the holy spirit has continued to just be so faithful in in yeah letting us know who he's who he has you know um desired to to yeah just to share during our, our sunday morning celebrations and it's so cool for me because i can, i continue to hear time and time again that the thing that impacted the people the most comes from other comes from other leaders or comes from other you know members of our community than me and whatever i preached They'll go back to the testimony that they heard. They'll go back to the prayer somebody prayed. They'll go back to the exhortation that was lifted during that time uh, before the quote-unquote, you know, sermon um, was given. And that's just maintained itself throughout, you know, the last 15 months. Um, after that, we, we do go into just a, a time of, of intentional celebration. Uh, whatever, whatever is on our heart, or whatever the Holy Spirit just uh, leads us to um, specifically communicate, but a lot of times it will be testimonies from the food pantry uh, that somebody got prayed for and got healed or testimonies from a house church uh, gathering or we'll celebrate, you know, um, partnering with, with another ministry in the city and doing outreach together or whatever. And we just try to use that space to just bring the church together to un- help them understand the impact that's being made and to celebrate and thank the Lord for, for what he's doing in the community and then we go into a time of announcements keeping the church updated on whatever's coming up event wise or uh, what what have you and then uh, yeah from there we, we take tithes and offerings and we uh, we go into uh, the preaching of, of the word and most of the time uh, after that there's either more ministry time, prayer, uh, people have the opportunity to respond and yeah, then there's oftentimes just the overflow. And I had to learn pretty quickly, you know, our services on average are probably two to two and a half hours. Um, and, you know, for a lot of the people that the Lord has brought, because we don't do any public promotion, marketing. We don't have public social media accounts right now. We we don't do any kind of, you know, outward um, engagement. If you come to Garden City, it's because, the Lord led you or a friend invited you, there's really no other way that you got in the room. And over the last 15 months, we've noticed that that a lot of evangelicals have been coming that had no prior exposure to the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, especially in operation. And so number one, their first question is, why do you worship so long? And we get to tell them, you know, Jesus is is everything, and He's the reason we're here. But it's been amazing because, you know, I can't tell you how many times from the pulpit I've said, "Hey, if you have to leave, it's okay. Like you don't like you don't have to stay. Like if you have to go grocery shopping, if you need to go care for you know a, a family member, it's totally okay to leave." And it, it's amazing to me just how you know, how how just rigid people are and in, in feeling like, you know, they either have to stay the whole time or feeling like they're going to be rude if they leave. And I would say we're just now to a point where people, I feel like, are comfortable enough that if they have something to do and we're still going after it, that they'll excuse themselves. <laughs> and so, but that took a while to help people truly, you know, believe and buy into.
0: You have churches in that city that have had, ushers at the back doors, not letting people out, you know,
2: so that's true. That's true. That's true.
0: People have been trained that way. Um, and and can you, can you speak to the, the practically what what are the house, the house churches look like?
2: Yeah. So, um, we have, like I said, uh, 10, uh, house churches right now. And when we started off, we, we really took a, a low structure, high accountability approach. And so we put most of our effort into the systems that supported the home church leaders as people, really as, as, as pastors, and then we made sure that there was clear channels for communication if there was any issues that, that they had, and then also clear channels of communication for the attendees of their home churches that they would you know be able to reach out uh, to leadership of the church if there was any issues that, that they had. But as far as the content of the home churches, we we gave them a template, we call it our our 10 C's. I I love alliteration and the letter C is so easy to use. But everything from uh, communion, chorus, canon, uh, crying, confession, um, what are some of the others, Uh, comfort, care. So there's these 10 C words that we kind of gave the home church leaders and this is after the six months of training that we basically said, if these 10 things are happening in your home church, you're going to be successful. The way you want to facilitate that, go for it. And that really worked for probably the first six to eight months. And then some of the home church leaders essentially said, we're getting a lot of questions about what you preached the week before do you think you could at least give us your notes or something? <laughs> so that way when people are asking questions, we have something to reference. And so what we decided to do um, really not that long ago is, is after I preach, I make a, a home church uh, outline. You know, if my sermon notes were eight pages, I kind of you know, reduce that to no more than two or three pages and develop some discussion questions for the home churches that want to use it. Um, they don't have to, but it's available to them, and yeah, that's that's really worked out well for us. But um, yeah, those are those are the ways that we we just try to empower the home church leaders because every home church is really different. That's something that I love about Garden City. It's really diverse, uh, not just from a you know black, white, and brown perspective, but it's diverse theologically, it's diverse socioeconomically, and we, we, want, we want the home churches to really be able to take on the, the you know, the, the responsibility of knowing what's best for their, yeah, their community. Um, so that's, that's what those look like. And, and um, so far, that's, that's really worked for us.
3: Um, so what is, so with yourself, do you like travel through them? or you just literally like leave it up to whoever's spearheading that?
2: Yeah. So kind of going back to the, um, low structure, high accountability, we have home church directors, uh, Zach and Liz Gibson, and their responsibility is to check on the home church leaders. Uh, every week there's an attendance form. There's a a recap form on our website that they have to fill out every week. And then they have, um, we are doing them monthly. Then we started doing them bi-monthly, and I think now they're quarterly cohort meetings with all the home church leaders, where they're able to talk about what's working, what's not working, where do they need support, and then just ongoing discipleship, ongoing leadership development, uh, really training them how to be pastors. And so that's that's the way that I'm able to kind of keep tabs on what's going on uh, primarily through just relationship with our home church directors, fielding, you know, the questions that they seem to be answering on a regular basis, you know, fielding the, the, you know, concerns that they um, are are receiving on a regular basis and then helping to kind of shape what the discipleship and ongoing leadership development looks like in those uh, home church cohort meetings. Um, I didn't start visiting the home churches until probably about nine months after they were birthed because I really, really felt it was important that our church community saw the, just the delegated authority yes. that was being given to these home church leaders separate from my presence. and so that that was I think healthy um, to, to, to lay out as a part of the foundation and uh, but yeah, probably you know a few months ago I started to pop in every once in a while just just uh, check on them and I've really enjoyed uh, just being a part of them and uh just watching these these emerging leaders do their thing
3: yeah can you give some examples like some of those some of those uh, house churches like um you know as you've kind of popped into a few of them uh and you're mentioning you know you're kind of leaving it to them as far as how they're going to lead it um what does it look like like uh house to house Mm -hmm. like some examples right uh sure given the diversity there
2: yeah i think some of them are are really community uh driven and so if you're talking through maybe their their two hour uh time together an hour and a half of that could just be connecting and and catching up and talking about job promotions and talking about you know just you know schooling or whatever it may be and then there's there's a time of prayer at the end. Uh, others are are, are really worship-driven. And so, in fact, the one I'm thinking of is actually in Westerville. Uh, it, it's crazy how many musicians ended up in this particular home church. And so they just worship the whole time. There's either somebody on the keys or somebody playing the guitar. And uh, it was funny, early on, uh, the home church leaders asked, like, is it okay that, like, we're, we don't really— you know, do a lot of Bible study or, or teaching of the, of the Bible right now. We just seem to worship the whole time, and and so those are some of the differences that that we've seen. Um, and then there's others that I, I know. There's a one home church where a lot of the people that are there are, are really justice driven, and, and and truly are just having deep conversation about you know the pains of of our city and you know the broken areas and the injustices um, of our city, and so. Those are some of the things that stick out that are that are kind of characteristic to uh, some of the individual home churches. I would say since we started providing uh, the home church guide, that is is yeah reflective of whatever sermon series that we're in on on our, our Sunday morning worship celebrations. Uh, there's been a little bit, I think, a little bit more streamlined um, approaches to. You know, how they're engaging uh, with the word and how they're engaging with with certain topics. But they've all maintained just kind of that individuality as well. So another
0: uh, practical question for you then with that. So are there is there ever a time that people are teaching uh, or is it more conversation?
2: It's a lot more conversation. There's probably only out of the ten three home church leaders that I would say are really comfortable Teaching, but I would say all of them are comfortable just facilitating, and and so if if there is you know questions, they know how to go to the Word. They know how to you know direct the the yeah the conversation in a way that's that's fruitful, in a way that's biblically centered, in a way that's yeah just consistent with uh, the Spirit of the Lord, um, which was really scary at first because. You know, in that environment, you know that people are obviously going to be more comfortable to ask harder questions than they would in, you know, a Sunday morning service. And so, to kind of put the home church leaders in that position of of being the ones that are engaging, you know, took a lot of just trust. And what I what I know that that has informed I think a lot of their confidence is that they're allowed to tell people that they don't know. You know, if there's somebody that asks a question. And you know the answer just say i don't know i'll get back to you and it's just kind of been those simple things as we've done more training and develop development that has kind of taken the pressure off um but but yeah it's a lot more facilitating uh than it is uh teaching so
0: are you are you open uh because this this is a common question, like when you start talking about house churches and stuff, especially a network of house churches or whatever language you want around that. One of the big questions is do you do you allow the people to teach out of concern, like they might preach something wrong, you know, or or do you keep it more conversational, or has that even crossed your mind, or is that anything you guys have discussed?
2: You know, Ryan, this is this is a great question. I think because of the journey a bit of which we've already talked about and how many spaces I've had the privilege to be in. There is such a comfort that I have around not only people asking questions, but our leaders being able to answer them. And, and for me, my, my standard is, did you answer the question from a place that that is authentic, that is as, biblical as you know how to be in the moment and with the open door to the person that you're communicating to, go search this out in the scriptures yourself. But this is truly what I think, truly what I believe. And here's why I I think and believe that. As long as that's happening, I'm very comfortable. I'm very comfortable. And the other thing that I think that makes the difference for our community and why we were able to ease into this Pretty effortlessly, is both from the pulpit and just in our leadership development. I tell I tell our church we are going to champion differences of opinions, uh, not just tolerate them, but but champion them. If you don't find yourself disagreeing with someone in this church at some point, then we're doing something wrong. And and I've I've taken that approach from day one, and and from the pulpit. I think that makes a difference. As you mentioned, when we have panels or when, you know, I bring people in that they think, man, I wouldn't have expected Gerald to even, you know, be friends with somebody that that comes from that kind of a a, a background, let alone let them speak from their their, you know, speak from the pulpit or be a part of a panel. Um, And so those are things that I think have created just a, a safety to truly have honest dialogue and there not be that fear of you know not only the 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 differences of thought or the differences of perspective, but the process and the journey that one has to go on uh, to even engage in, in in that way. And so that's that's made a big difference for us. Yeah, that's so good.
0: That's so good. I, it actually makes me think more of the early church. You know, like mm. they that's where the apostles came in like you i think i think sometimes out of fear we create systems that are so structured um so that there's no no room for anything else um and it's like but the truth is if you want to develop people and you want to see holy spirit move there has to be flexibility And if there's flexibility, people are probably going to make messes. There's probably going to be things taught that you have to step in as the apostolic Mm -hmm. head and say, hey, let's address this, you know, and and let's correct this or, you know, whatever. And and to have, I mean, your your house group leaders are basically pastors. So to be able to have pastors that are willing to say like, hey, I said this last week you know, I had a conversation, you know, a few conversations or whatever. And I, I kind of realized, like I said, this wrong, or like this isn't actually scriptural or whatever, and have that humility. But I, I love that, like, you have like zero control in you. And it's really, that's one of the things that's so beautiful about the way you're leading. And I hope other leaders hear that too, because it's so easy as a leader out of fear to try control people to get the result you want without the mess. And you just kind of have mm. to embrace the fact that, that it's all, it's all fair game. Once you're going after Holy spirit and when to give him room,
2: there's going to be all of it. 100%. 100%. I think the other thing that just kind of serves as a consistent purifier is, is just modeling how committed we are to the word of God and not the opinion of man. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, for us, it's, it's been beautiful as much as we have for a lot of the members of our church, kind of brought them into a presence-driven environment for the first time, they know that we are unapologetically and equally passionate about the Word of God. It was so exciting as we got into the summer uh, to take the entire church through the book of 1 John, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, over uh, the summer months. And the responses that I got after at that point, we had, you know, been having meetings for about 10 months. I had so many people say, And I would have never thought a church that worships this long and loves the Holy Spirit this much would also, on a Sunday morning, go through an entire book of the Bible. And I'm like, well, that's that's so sad, you know, to hear that that's that shocking to you. Um, And what it did is it kind of coined a term that we repeat often uh, that at Garden City, we are, are equally passionate about the spirit of God and the word of God. And really discipling that into the language of of our community has just been uh really valuable yeah spirit and truth that's it yeah so good
3: um so going back to the control piece um that's a big issue man um And and when I say issue, I mean, it's just a a big topic of concern, I would say, for people that are genuinely interested in leading a spirit-led movement. Um, Because we've witnessed, you know, what control does. uh, Or we've been under the hand of control and experienced the pain that comes out from it. Um, If you were talking to a young leader uh, that is hearing what you're going after and resonating with everything that you're going after and wanting to implement something like that or wanting to uh, facilitate something like that um, and like fighting the urge, right, to just control every little detail um, I want you to speak to that from your from your um, standpoint, vantage point yeah. if you will
2: yeah, man hmm <laughs> There's a lot of different places I feel like I could um, start. But, you know, having a true revelation of the headship of Jesus Christ is, is just priceless.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: People don't belong to us. The ministries that we're called to don't belong to us.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And literally, this, this was revolutionary for me. I think we lose sight of this from a church history perspective. In the early church most people were either illiterate or uneducated in the context of the 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 language that that was you know prevalent at the time and the Bible that we have today the earliest that that you know the 27 books of the New Testament were formulated in in the order that we have today was 367 AD and a letter that that was written around Easter by Athanasius, which tells us that for three centuries, the church did not have in in a a majority um, uh, context, the the canon, and even for several years after that. So how in the world did the church survive for 300 years without mass production of the Bible, the New Testament? The leadership of the Holy Spirit—it's—it's—it's <laughs> like, it's, it's that simple. And you could argue yeah. that the church, literally, was the most healthiest during that period of time than it's been, literally, in any other era. And so, even being someone who loves to study, who loves, you know, the Word, and 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 who thrives off of. You know, really being able to help people understand the word that was never meant in and of itself to replace the active, present, tangible leadership of the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. He is the one, the Holy Spirit, who guides and leads us into all truth. He is the one, the Holy Spirit, who reminds us of everything that Jesus taught. He mm-hmm. is the one that, that, that bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, crying out, Abba, Father. Yeah. I can go on and on and on. And by the way, my love for the Holy Spirit literally is the the result of Ryan Rhodes and Avery Brooks and, <laughs> and the fire young adult ministry. And I can I can say emphatically, like you think about what Jesus says in John chapter 5. He's saying to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you'll find life. But these are they which testify of me. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the, the ones that literally nailed Jesus to the cross were the most studied. You know, of, of of all, which tells us that you can, you can have all of the knowledge in the world and still miss Jesus. Yes. And so if we don't teach people to really be led by the Holy Spirit and to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit, then we're not actually making disciples anyways. And we have so many examples throughout, you know, history, specifically in the modern era, that what we've tried to do to substitute that doesn't work. And so, I think as a young leader, you have to ask yourself, what do you want? Do you want disciples, or you do you just want, you know, people that are a part of your ministry? And there's a big difference. And if you want disciples, you're going to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit lead. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so good. I, I want to. Um, you mentioned you mentioned blessing and sending, and like that—that's right in that. Uh, actually listened to something today this guy I can't remember his name but he was talking about how there's a lot of church leaders that are operating under the spirit of laban and laban in the bible is the the story for those who don't know it's the story of uh, jacob goes and commits to work for seven years to be able to marry rachel and then on their wedding night laban switches rachel for her sister leah and he wakes up the next morning realizes he would married leah and was deceived and he works seven more years to get Rachel. And uh, this guy was likening that and saying that there's so many church leaders who they promise they promise young, young leaders, like, hey, you come and do this, and I'm going to give you this, and that they keep moving the goalpost, and that there's no there's no blessing, there's no sending, and actually it's even the opposite. It's it's, um, promising them something, and then the second they fail, pulling it away from them. And mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, and he was, he went to this whole thing, but it was actually I've never heard anybody talk like that before. You or liken it to the story of Laban, and uh, and and I've seen that. And one of the things we've talked about in this podcast too is, um, Holy Spirit pointed out to me one day, like, uh, you know, the the promise is, um, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and you'll and in due time you'll be exalted. And I I, I really believe that there's a lot of people who have humbled themselves under the hand of a leader and have Mm. been frustrated at God that they've never been exalted. And there's definitely a time, like, you know, I always have to add this in, like, there's definitely a time to work for, you know, and and to be even in situations that are not ideal, that God will have you there to form you. Um, But there's a lot of cases where people are being kept in in bondage, Um, you know, being promised something, being promised something to come, and but then they can never really serve enough to get to that place to be acceptable, to be promoted. And I just think of like Evan Roberts. I think of these like there's so many, almost every move of God has started with young people, people who are below the age that we would even want to see as pastors. Um, and I just I think there's something you, you're you're an apostle. So I don't know. I don't know that you would ever say that out loud or if you, anybody in your church even realizes that or whatever. But that's who you are. Um, You're apostolic, the way you think is apostolic, the way that you uh, even the way you've given up control um, is apostolic in nature and just being able to fully surrender that to Holy Spirit. Um, So what does it look like for you to to bless and to send people, to give people opportunities, to not try to control, um, to control everything or, or, you know, like obviously you have to protect the main things. um, Right. But how, how do you do that? And what does it look like when you say bless and send? What does that look like for you to bless and send and to support people in what God's called them to do?
2: Sure. Well, I think for me, the standard, obviously, when it comes to everything is Jesus. And when we look at Jesus's model of ministry and leadership, he entrusted incredible uh, amounts of delegated authority and responsibility to a group of disciples who didn't have a clue, not to mention Judas. So for me wow. to feel like I have a reason or a justification to control, to hold people back would just be be so contradictory to what my King and Lord modeled. And so that that's, that's the foundation for me. Um, and so from that and everything, as we've been talking about, so much of it's dependent upon the leadership of the Holy Spirit, truly praying for people, not because I want a certain result or a certain outcome or feel like, you know, I have even the the, the full understanding of what God's looking to do um, in and through them, but taking a posture of, Lord, would you reveal your son, your daughter to me, how you see them, and would you show me what you're asking of me? To come into agreement with what you're already doing in their lives, how, how, how do I how do I get behind what you are already doing and 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 truly you know champion uh, champion them in that way, and so that looks like a lot of things. Um, one of the one of the things I would highlight though is when I'm sitting down with people and I'm kind of you know getting to know them and. I don't ever really stop asking this question, but it's one of the main questions I ask from the beginning of, of developing relationship with people, especially those that I may identify as potential leaders, is what makes them come most alive? What are you passionate about? If if you could do anything for God just in your life, what is that? And then that sets the tone for me personally with with how I've been try to intentionally create opportunities and and give Give uh, permission for them to, you know, experience experience and and really walk, you know, walk in and who God's called them to be, and to me that's so much of what the church is is all about. It's it's the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It's 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 coming alongside the, the dreams, the passions that God has given to people, and then the, the the church is a vehicle for them to really begin to exercise in those things. And so that's kind of kind of how it starts. And and then from there, you know, as those things kind of form and become a little bit more solidified and a little bit more clear over time and and you know you you give you give more responsibility and you you, you give more opportunity. And then there's a certain point where you see them mature to now be able to truly apprehend and take possession of of what was already in them all along. And and then how do we how do we affirm that? How how do we put them in places where the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, not just even me, can actually say, We see that in your life, we affirm that in your life, like we bear witness that that, that is that is the Lord's hand on your life, and and we bless that. And that's that's within the, the, the context of you know the local fellowship. And then whenever that turns into them coming to the place that they recognize that God wants to take that thing that he's cultivated in them and actually give further expression to it at another church through a nonprofit through a business then it's our privilege to lay hands on them and send them forth with the full support and the full encouragement and when when possible and hopefully more and more often the longer we're doing this with practical resources, here's a check, here's a team, you know, here's, here's resources by way of, of, you know, relationships in the city, you know, here's, here's who you need to talk to, you know, to be able to take that next step. And when, when we're not doing that in the body of Christ, I think we really have to re reconsider, you know, what we're doing, in my opinion, and, and, and what the real motivation of it is
0: yeah so then you you get to you get to recognize basically who's who is under the mighty hand of the lord and mm-hmm. and be a part of them being exalted that's really beautiful
2: 100% and i love putting people in positions to do things that they think they're so not ready for
0: <laughs>
2: that's one of my yeah. favorite things in the world <laughs> yeah
0: yeah well, but your belief fills them with courage, you know, and it's like, even if they, uh, they might do it scared, you know, but they'll do it and right. they'll learn about themselves and they'll be, you know, your backing is, is huge. Just having like so many times that happens, somebody believes in us more than we believe in ourselves, And it just does something to you because it's like, oh, they're seeing something I don't see in, in, in me. And
2: you start to live up to the expectation. So good. One of my favorite testimonies of what, you know, God has done in the last 15 months to maybe give even some more practical context to this. You know, first of all, we everything we do is truly based around those three C's that I referred to earlier, communion with the Lord, community with each other, and the cultivation of, of, of our city for the kingdom and, and the return of the Lord. And that last part, I, I emphasize so much that this looks like something in your life, where you live, where you work, where you play, separate from being a greeter or being on our kids' ministry team or being on our parking team or even serving our food pantry in this local building. And you tell people that enough, they begin to believe you and dreams start to emerge. Vision starts to emerge. And this is probably one of my favorite testimonies, again, from the last 15 months, is a, a member of our church was actually a part of the school of ministry that you helped me with. And one of the classes that I that, that I taught in the School of Ministry was a class on community transformation. And it was all about each student being able to envision if there's one area of the city they could transform, what would it be? What would it look like? And then walking them through practically, okay, now let's actually take that and imagine it was actually going to happen. What would you need along the way to see that thing come to pass? And so this particular student is now a part of our church. And she's never let go of of what the Lord showed her in that class. And she recently has purchased a just completely vacant building right right on the west side of Columbus as you're getting off the highway coming up uh, that initial hill, which is why it's called uh, the Hilltop. And to be able to hear her vision, to take that building, to renovate it, it actually is like, I think, two buildings. One of them she's going to turn into an Airbnb. The other one she's going to turn into just a shared community space that is going to be able to serve that neighborhood with various uh, programs. And she's going to put a cafe on the top and to bring her in front of the church, have her share that vision. It's called the Reclaimed Project. And then to be able to put $1,000 in her hands. That that has been kind of just the posture that we've taken uh, from day one. And like I said, eventually I want to be able to put another zero on that check and it be ten thousand dollars or whatever. But we don't we're not going to wait. We, we, we knew that from day one within this first year, we, we had to give the church tangible expressions um, behind what it looks like to really uh, practically step in, you know, to to what cultivation looks like through their lives separate from the centralized organization of, of the local church um,
3: so many questions, Gerald
0: I know, I feel like we can go like two more hours
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um let's not do that for your sake
2: huh but
3: <laughs>
2: i didn't even realize it's it's past one o'clock my time i didn't even realize that <laughs> yeah i
3: know <laughs> that's why <what> i'm like <laughs> you got kids man <laughs> um let jesus help us So obviously there's a lot of practical ways that we can we can keep diving into. I have a lot of personal questions I know that are arising just because of there are things that you're talking about and doing that is putting language to things I've thought about before, and I'm sure Ryan too, um, or Ryan has conversed with you about. Uh, this is obviously our first time meeting, but um, I really... Um, Unless there's any more practical stuff that's coming out. I really uh, feel drawn to round out the conversation um, with you talking about um, your journey up until October and the Mm. shifting point and you feeling settled. And um, if you can, you know, go as as deep as you want to go, as you feel comfortable going. Um that's up to you. Um but sure. again with with somebody in mind that's looking like God's asking me to do this and it looks so backwards or it hasn't been done or whatever it is, right? Um so think in terms of those contexts, like this is your testimony that's breathing life into them.
2: Yeah, yeah. Man, um yeah, let me let me guess I I just I'll start here. One of my biggest fears in starting the church was was that so much of the, you know, work that that I had invested into truly, you know, contending for unity in in the city would would be undone, and would would no longer uh, be fruitful. Um, that I would be seen as competition. That I would be seen as a, as a you know um, a threat or just would no longer be able to um yeah just engage with with other ministries and other leaders the way my heart desires and can, can i, had I a, really
0: can i add context to that real quick i just want to say this like gerald to can when he says contending for unity he he truly did that and it wasn't just like hey i'm going to do an event and invite all the churches he legitimately would go around to every ministry that he had relationship with and would just be present, wouldn't, wouldn't try to speak, wouldn't try to take over, anything like that, built relationship with leaders, honored uh, even, even churches that were different than him or different theologically. Um, so I watched that process happen. And so that's
2: what, that's what he's referencing. Yeah. Now we had, we had a lot of just amazing opportunities to just see fruit, especially as young adult, Leaders and young adult um, ministers, and so that was a huge that was a huge fear of mine, and I didn't understand, I didn't understand why God was asking me to start the church when I felt like we were making so much headway in in a lot of the um, you know uh, unity efforts, and even just my heart that had really grown for the nonprofit space. And at this point, you know, my wife had started her business, and through her business, we were partnering with anti trafficking. Um, ministries, we were discipling, you know, employees that were deep into witchcraft and, and, and deep into you know just spiritualism and, and just far from the Lord and and yeah I just didn't understand why I would be pulled away from from that to start a church. And at the time I just had no confidence that through the local church I could still be engaged in in those those areas. And I, I kinda look at, at the, the, the three major areas of, of yeah just, just what it takes to see true kingdom impact. You need a strong local congregation that is committed to the gospel and all that comes, you know, with caring and shepherding, you know, souls and, 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 and people. But then you, you have to have that that outward expression that is oftentimes embodied in the nonprofit work. And then there has to be the the the, the resources. And, and if we're going to truly see transformation, it's not going to be cheap. So, you know, you look at those three areas that, that have oftentimes been so disconnected. I felt like we were finally beginning to see some synergy uh, come, come to those three areas. Uh, in addition to pastoring a nonprofit, I worked for uh, another organization called Catalyst for Columbus, where I served as the director of community development. And so I was able to be hands on. In in working you know across those three kind of sectors, and so I just could not wrap my mind around how I could continue to to see fruit in that same way being a pastor of a church. And then the Lord made it very clear that He wanted to take everything that I was doing in a very kind of disjointed way and bring all of that under uh, under one house. Um, but it took me it took me 15 months to actually have confidence that that was possible. It it took me 15 months to actually have the courage to move towards that and and actually believe that fruit could come from it. The other piece of it that I would acknowledge, Vince, is like up to that point, it was kind of like me and God's little, you know, little secret as far as just a lot of the the things that I was passionate about in a very select group of brothers like Ryan, that I was able to get really vulnerable with and share these ideas with um, and and talk through these things with. And the idea of standing in a pulpit on a Sunday and actually having to tell a, a, a room full of people that this is what I really believe and this is what I really think the church should look like and this is what I'm really convinced it will take to see true kingdom impact was so terrifying. For me, it was like getting up and just getting naked in front of everybody. You know, and, and it just was like, well, man, what happens if they don't believe me? What happens if they think I'm crazy? What happens if, you know, they they can't get behind this? What do I do? Where well, I didn't have that pressure before. You know, I was only responsible for maintaining relationships and introducing people to each other or hosting events or, you know, being a part of, of these, you know, these these um, separate spaces and, yeah, just just stewarding stewarding the, the the intersection of them the way that the Lord gave me the grace to. But to really give vision for an entire church community that was being asked to get behind that was one hundred percent terrifying. And so it was a lot of just dying to self. I had to be willing to I had to be willing to know that people may not believe me, that people may not get behind it, that people may push back on it, that that people may, you know, um, Really have a difficult time embodying that vision, and um, yeah, that that had to, to 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 really take root in me that that not everybody was going to be able to see it, not everybody was going to be able to champion it, and I think once that happened, I was able to think through things differently. My motivation no longer was the results; it, it was the worship of obedience. And it was the serving of others in the sense that I have the privilege to share a paradigm with them that they may have never heard before, but that they're now going to be able to identify with what they do with it is not my responsibility. It's just my privilege to share it with them. And those that can see it and those that can get behind it, you know, will be able to to do some things together. And those that, that can't get behind it, you know, it was just an honor to be to be in their life, and if they move on to something else, you know I can just cherish the the time that I had with them. And so, you know, that was really the process that took place over those 15 months. I think the unity piece I'm still working through, if I'm being honest with you. Um, there's been some major disappointments as I've seen the uh, shift that people have taken towards me in the city now that they know I have a church, even though we're not even publicizing it. And just having to truly, you know, just lay that down and trust that the Lord will, you know, reconcile the relationships that that um, have kinda had a, a uh negative turn, um and, and if not, that I know um, where my heart is in it and that's that's really all I can be responsible for. Yeah, that's really
0: good. Did um did anything happen around October that Like, was it just like that was almost the resolution of all that process? Or was there anything else that happened that kind of like was like, oh, I'm settled. Like, this is good. Like, what what brought you to that moment of like, this is I'm in it now?
2: I think time, honestly, was a huge part of it. Um, And I received a, a prophetic word from a mentor when we did our very first leader retreat in the fall of 2020. And it was bold and he said, I want you to look around. This was this was on a, on a Zoom call with our entire leadership team. And he said, I want everybody to look around the room. He said, half of you will not be here a year from now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and of course I honored him and you know, what do you do with that? You know, you just wait a year to see if it comes true. And thankfully that particular word did not come true (laughs) at all. (laughs) Um, Every single person that was in the room in the fall of 2020 was still in the room in the fall of 2021. And it honestly wasn't until, you know, we came back around to the next fall that I realized how much that word like was really weighing on me. Um, and, and just to see that, you know, it's not how it played out was, I think, another major factor of just like the timing, just getting through that first year and and then just seeing fruit. You know, the, the testimonies that have come, just whether it be from the home church leaders who would have never imagined that they would be literally, you know, leading people in their living room in, in both their relationship with Jesus and their relationship with one another— Uh, that one testimony of the former USAM student is just one example of of a handful that we've already helped be able to start nonprofits or start businesses and just to see that it actually worked. um, to, To be able to, after a year, see that it's possible for... Those from an evangelical background and those from a charismatic background can actually worship together, and the ones that want to wave their flags are comfortable to wave their flags, and and the ones that that are sitting there just really receiving the Lord, and and have feel no pressure to perform or don't feel like their spirituality is is less than because they're not having you know this crazy outward manifestation, not to mention the fact that that they're honoring one another and know that they can actually learn from one another, those are things that I've dreamed of that I just I had no ability to actually um, know if, if, if they were possible until we actually did it. And I think by October there was enough history to show that at least everything that we had set out to do, there there was there was there was an ability to actually see is possible tangibly and not just, not just conceptually. Um, right around October is, is when that sunk in and I just was able to take a deep breath and, and, you know, really for the first time in, in this process feel settled.
0: Good. Well, um, I, I'm going to close this out here, um, but I do want to ask, so if, if people are interested in, uh, either in attending the church and actually finding Garden City. I know you said you're not on social media. Um, the church isn't. Um, how can they find the church, and then how can people follow you?
2: Because I know you are on social media. Yeah, so the church, um, GardenCityChurch.tv is our website, uh, GardenCityChurch.tv. And, um, yeah, so we do have social media accounts for the church. They're just private. And so I, our, our media director, he makes a joke, you know, And anytime somebody requests to join he'll filter through their their social media page and if they they show some if they show some inkling that they love jesus he you know lets him lets him on the page so i don't even ask him how he filters that i just trust him and so anyways um garden city is on instagram i believe it's garden city uh Columbus, and then on Facebook, but they're private accounts, so you can you can click on them, and my media director will hopefully let you let you on. It's like but, you were you were one bikini pick away from uh, not, not getting admitted to the church. Yes, oh, yeah. uh, so funny. But then, yeah, for me personally, um, all my uh, social media uh, handles are my full name, Gerald D. A. Murphy. Uh, my father is Gerald D. Murphy. He didn't want me to be a junior. And I learned at an early age, right right around 18, when I started getting letters from the IRS in his name to start putting DA on everything. <laughs> so um, Gerald DA, and it stands for Delano Alexander um, Gerald DA Murphy, on um, all, all my social media accounts. Um, so, there's
0: so there's there's one, one question I ask, I ask all my guests, and, and you can, can take as long, as, long as you need to on this, or, this, or so short as short as you want it to be. be. Um, um, but, uh, but uh, if, if, all if all of humanity was listening right now and you could, you could speak to them just uh, straight from the heart, what would you say? Go ahead and, and speak directly to them right now. Take as long as you need.
2: Yeah, everyone who's listening and, and, and everyone that um, you know, will listen in, in the future, what, what I really want to tell you is the Father's dream is, is, is worth falling in love with. And, and for those who may not come from, you know, a church background, uh, I, I want to point you very simply to the first uh, the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter one. Uh, we, we see that God, who is um, our heavenly father, had a dream and a desire uh, to literally create a perfect, a perfect alignment between heaven and earth. And to put us as as human beings, his sons and daughters, in a position to steward everything he created, uh, to to be responsible for everything he created. And the scripture says to to walk in dominion and, and authority over everything he created out of perfect relationship with him, out of perfect communion, perfect fellowship with him that fully satisfies, that leaves each and every one of us fully known, that, that leaves each and every one of us walking in, in 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 the perfection of of our of our just just purpose. And he's never changed his mind about about that dream. And there's nothing that that that, that has ever been done by way of sin, by way of, of mistakes uh, by, by way of of just disobeying him that has changed his mind about that. In fact, the more we ran from that dream, the closer he came. That the more we rebelled, the more we were disobedient, that the more we tried to do things our own way, he came closer so close that he sent his only son that is the full reflection of, of God himself. That is the full embodiment of 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 our heavenly father god sent his only begotten son his only son to walk and to live and to breathe as a human being just like you and just like me and to do everything necessary to close the gap that our sin that our rebellion that our disobedience created even more than that through jesus christ and his his complete and total surrender unto death on a wooden cross and resurrecting three days later, the very source of that disobedience, the very source of that rebellion, which is sin, which is the devil himself, have been defeated, have been completely and utterly defeated. And Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, he rose as the victorious king and lord of all And and when you put your faith in him, not only do your sins uh, get forgiven, every mistake you've ever made gets wiped away. I love the language of the Bible in the book of Psalms that God cast our sins as far as the East is from the West, but he doesn't stop there at the forgiveness of your sins. He doesn't even stop at at salvation as it relates to you having the confidence that you will spend eternity uh, with God. He restores you to that original purpose and design. That He had from day one, and that's for each of us to be made in His image and likeness, walking in dominion and authority over all that He created. And one of my favorite things um, to, to remind people that, that are, are pursuing an understanding of the Christian faith is that, that when we look at the end of this whole thing, we can look at what we read about in the first chapter of the Bible and have a clear understanding of where this thing is headed. Heaven and earth are going to be restored just like God wanted from the beginning. And we are going to live in that perfect harmony, that perfect fellowship, that perfect communion with our Creator, with our Heavenly Father. And so I just want I just want to encourage every person that's listening to fall in love with that dream. And to know that that in this life you're either agreeing with that dream and moving towards it or, or you're saying that 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 you you don't you don't want that. And and I, I just I just from the bottom of my heart tell you that that there's nothing greater than to live this life walking in agreement with the dream of your Heavenly Father who made you, because it's going to happen. The question is, are you going to be a part of seeing it happen? And are you going to experience the reward of its full manifestation in the earth, the fulfillment of its full reality? In, in in the earth when Jesus Christ returns? Or are you going to be separated from that fulfillment in, in hell, which is which is where people go that 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 don't allow the reality of this gospel that I've shared with you uh, to, to be what transforms their hearts and to be what forgives them and restores them the right relationship with the God that created them so they can walk out that dream that He's had from the very beginning. The last thing I'll say that I've said already is that nothing you have done has changed his mind about you being a part of that dream. Nothing you can ever do will change his mind about you being a part of that dream. The reality of it is very simple. Through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone, we get to get back in that story and we get to return to being a part of the father's dream that he's had from day one and to share it with others. So that's my prayer. That's my desire for you, um, and let that shape every single day of your life. Let that dictate. Let that. Let that be the motivation for why you breathe, and when you yield, and when you surrender, and you give yourself to that, life becomes so incredible. The adventures that you will go on, giving yourself to that dream, will blow your mind away, and you'll never regret it. So thank you guys so much for uh, letting me be on here, and uh, man, I'm excited just to. Uh, I see this channel continue to grow uh, this podcast and and uh, see it continue to impact lives and, and the nations so good
3: I mean he prayed it <laughs> you prayed him out man um, yeah we were gonna ask you to pray but
0: you already did that you're in the spirit see we let go of control <laughs> and, you, and you caught it
3: <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. i hope i hope everybody listening um actually grabbed onto that like for real and if you if you didn't rewind it and um listen because uh gerald's walking in um a pretty tangible authority in the spirit um and i, I actually feel like it's actually gonna um break open doors of uh of um how do you say uh just clarity, just bring clarity to what is the dream of God on your life.
0: Well, Gerald, thank you so much for being on, man. I, I have such an appreciation for you and, and your heart, and I just want to bring this full circle with the word uh, God spoke to me about just honoring the humility that you walk in. Um, I mean, you're, you're an, uh, an apostle for our time. You're, you're pioneering something that uh, there's not a clear model ahead of you and there's not a bunch of success uh, stories or church planner guides on how to do what you're doing and, uh, but you're doing it and you're obedient. And you're one of the um, one of the most obedient people I've ever met where you'll just you'll pray, God will answer, you do it. and it's just been really cool to see that even if you have you know like the last 15 months of walking out some stuff with that um, you still did it. Like you still kept moving forward. And that's, that's the thing that I, I hope everyone can, can see and, uh, can see your willingness. And then, and not only you, like y- you're on here, but, and Lauren's not on here, but Lauren as well. Uh, the fact that you guys have been so obedient to the Lord, have been willing to do the, going uh, go into the unknown. Um, so I just, I want to honor that man. Like Thanks for being a good friend. Thanks for being willing to be on here uh, into the, the early a.m. hours. Um, what, do you got to wake up at 7? Yeah, <laughs> to, to go to prayer. <clears throat> yeah, I, I appreciate you a lot and can't wait to be back in Columbus and, and see you. Uh, we'll have to make it happen. I know I've missed you a couple
2: other times. So. Yes, sir. <laughs> No, I'm excited to see you as well and, and just thank you and Vince so much. Uh, I consider it just a privilege to, to be on here with you guys. And just thank you for what you're doing. Um, it, this is, this is truly impactful to have a space that, uh, not just the listeners can come and, and receive, but, uh, for, for just your guests to be able to come and just share their heart in such a, such an organic free flowing way. Um, there's a lot of things that, that have been talked about, you know, to, tonight that, um, yeah, I just, I just didn't even realize I needed to have affirmed, and that um, I even needed to be able to uh, share in a format like this. And so it's just, it's just been a privilege, and truly, truly enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Awesome, awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much. Well, guys, I, I hope you really enjoyed this podcast, and uh, I'm, I'm sure it stirred something in you. And um, I, you know, our our prayer is that that you guys. You guys take this and you do something with it, that you you, you continue to be hungry for the real Jesus. Um, and so, you know, somebody who needs to hear this podcast, uh, who needs to. Um, there's a lot of people who have that that holy dissatisfaction with where things are at and they need they need to hear the encouragement that there's people who are thinking differently. Who who are on the same page? Who need some things affirmed? There's people who are who are about to that they're on the edge of stepping out to do something that God's put on their heart, but they just need this little bit of encouragement. So I just make sure you share this on on your social media, share with your friends, uh, send it to people. Um, help us help us get the word out. This podcast is uh, has a great purpose. We get amazing testimonies, um, and so help us get the word out. Uh, as far as testimonies please reach out, send them to to us on Instagram at, uh, at Encounter Fire, or you can go to firemovement.com and there you can submit a testimony. Let us know what God is doing through this. If you'd like to support the podcast or if this has had an impact on you, you can go to firemovement.com slash support. You can give a one-time or monthly gift there. And the last thing is, uh, please, on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, if it has the opportunity to follow and or uh, to leave a rating for our podcast, please do that. That'll help us uh, come up in the search results. Uh, it'll, it'll put us higher in the search results and so that's really important. So until next time, this has been the FIRE Podcast.